Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 85 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time, we read a patron's choice. It was quite a choice. It was quite a choice. Yes. Uh, so today, we read The Woman You Marry by Mark A. Edwards. Uh, this was Sinya's choice. Um, thank you so very, very, very much, Sinya, for being a uh, loyal patron for so long. Um, and thank you very much for recommending this book, because I think this is the the best patron recommendation <laughs> we've gotten so far. Oh man, this is like exactly what I want from a patron recommendation, Paris. Just something so uh, unheard of and like just a gem in <laughs> amidst the piles of things on Amazon. I don't. I want to really want to know how you found this, Senia. Oh well, so Senia explained that uh, she thought this was a book by the real Mark Edwards, who is apparently a much more reasonable and famous author who um, notably actually wrote um, a book called The Magpies, which our friends at the Amazon Book Club read last year. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of a weird coincidence. But, um, yeah, so Mark Mark Edwards, who wrote The Magpies um, and some other... Sorry, I can't remember some of the other books he's written, but he's apparently just, like, one of those dudes that, you know, he just churns out thrillers and he has a a good following. Um, I've never read any of his work before, but, you know, I checked out his Twitter. Seems like a decent enough guy. All um, right. <laughs> that, that's I don't how know. we judge everyone now, right? Yeah, and you just, just read their, Well, you know. Well, yeah. Anyway, I was just, I just wanted to, I was doing some digging to try to figure out how they have the same name. Because I, because I've seen a couple of things that list the real Mark Edwards as Mark A. Edwards as well. So I think, I think they just happen to have the same name. Um and he, the real Mark Edwards, uh, posted, uh, I found an old Twitter, an old tweet of his where he was like, oh no, the fake Mark Edwards put something out again. No, it's not mine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude. Yeah, I really want to control the branding on this one. Yeah, like, imagine how shitty that must be for him. That sucks. Like, to have somebody with this, who's basically just trying to be you. It's very weird. Um, because, because Mark A. Edwards, the guy who... Uh, who wrote The Woman You Marry that we're, we read for today's show. Uh, this person, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say guy because who knows? Maybe this is just a name he... Maybe he just chose this name to try to piggyback on the success of the real Mark Edwards. I don't know. Uh, but this person... Yeah, they they seem to write the same kinds of things and style their covers very similarly. Uh, so, oh, no. yeah. So, for example, um, actually, let me... Let me pull up some 
of the real Mark Edwards uh, work. Just for comparison. Yeah, just sake. just so you can kind of understand why. Because so, any, sorry, I went on that tangent and forgot to mention. So Senia picked this up because she thought it was the real Mark Edwards because apparently she must um, enjoy his work. And um, I can totally see why she was fooled into thinking that this was him. So he has books um, like The House Guest. And it's it's this, you know, dark uh, cover with a kind of a shadowy doorway that's lit. And it's just, a, you know, the house guest looks kind of ominous. Um, there's one called Here to Stay. It's just kind of a picture of a oh, house. But corn. it looks looks a little... What? It's a corn song. Oh, is it? Oh, joke about oh sorry. Song. I didn't know that that was a corn <laughs> song. I'm really glad I didn't know that, actually. Um, you know, The Last of the Magpies, which I assume is a successor to the Magpies. is just like a creepy chair. Um, but they're pretty, they're pretty like sparse covers. Uh, generally with like a darker palette, very bold text. So then you have the Mark, Mark A. Edwards. And so he kind of follows that, that style, but you can tell something's a little wrong sometimes (laughs) because there's, for example, there's a, a book called Crystal's Fire. And it says, don't waste my fruit on... (laughs) What? Wait, how do you say that first word? Crystals? Can you spell that, please? (laughs) Crystal. Sometimes used as a shitty fake name on a shitty author's book. C-H-R-I-S-S-E-L. Crystal. That... That sounds like some kind of weird alternate version of me. (laughs) Yes. Made out of crystals but or like, something. But, like, the title is Crystal's Fire, but then above it it says, Don't Waste My Fruit. And, like, <laughs> I just, like, Don't what? do it. Stop. You're just throwing these pears away. They're perfectly fine. Mark, they're rotted through the core. No. Still good parts. There's, Don't Waste My Fruit. So then I'm as, writing a whole book about this. As you, as you scroll through the selections, you see Dayfall. You're like, hmm, that's a little weird. Her Wrong Side. Oh, uh, oh, no. Little blue-eyed witness. The yeah, these seem like like attempts at sounding like Chris, thriller titles that wait. didn't quite get fully cooked. Wait, wait. The road trap. It should have been a road trip. That's what. It's- <laughs> <laughs> wait, would, did we? Would, did it actually say that it should have been a road trip? Yes, on the co- yes. Oh come on, better. fuck off. Oh, like, I love man from the train instead of girl on the train. Like, it's just... Okay. So this guy clearly is just trying to capitalize on the success of other people. And so, you know, that sucks for the real Mark Edwards. I'm sorry, dude. That's fucking shitty. Um, But it did make for a hilarious time. Yeah, I'm also sorry, Senia, that you had to buy this and waste your money on it. That sucks. And I can't believe you even read the god oh man I, I mean i read it all in one like, sitting and it was concerning yeah, after page one or two you kind of know something's fucky here after the first sentence you know that something chris i knew something was wrong when i was reading the uh the credits and like copyright page that's when i knew something was wrong <laughs> all right so Harris, let's explain what we do first yeah so. so if you've made it through our initial rambling um and are wondering why the fuck am i listening to this show you're listening to this show to hear us review books that we've read. Specifically, we read books we think we'll hate. Um, and we base this on their cover or title or summary or some combination of those factors. Um, so we do the opposite of what most people do when they are browsing Amazon or walking through a bookstore. And usually this experiment results 
in a disappointing, sometimes hilarious read. Uh, Although once in a while we end up being wrong and we love a book. Uh, Of course, today, uh, we're in that we're in that former situation of disappointing and hilarious read. Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, we've got a though, though, while there are some funny parts, there's some there's some low lows in here uh, Mm -hmm. for content warnings today. We've got uh, violence, sexual assault, stalking, and a slew of horrible gendered stereotypes. So, for example, all the men in the book are kind of the a caricature of, like, a really horny, piggish man. And all the women are caricatures of kind of a... Again, I don't, I don't subscribe to this, this uh, particular description, but crazy sluts, you know, um, yeah. just kind of this... Yeah, so... Unfor- Women be crazy. Yeah. Paris, they be doing stuff that makes no sense. But then again, that's kind of also everyone else in this book, too. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, the summary of The Woman You Marry is thus I'm going to remind you that I am reading this verbatim. There's this, no, you're not stepping into this in the middle of things. Nope, this is this is exactly how the summary appears um, on the Amazon page for this book. <clears throat> then on one stormy night, there's this shocking surprise that's waiting for Pamela and Larry Ambrit on the back porch of their new house, which happens to be the only one near the woods. Maybe it's some hoax because nobody else is around, but maybe this could be a blessing. Somebody obviously knows how this couple desperately wants to have a child. Uh, so yeah no miss edit here it just starts with then on one stormy night and you're like whoa wait 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 where's the rest of the summary did i miss something yeah so the, the summary is a is a dire harbinger of what's to come <laughs> um senior did you look at the back before you bought maybe you bought it on kindle like we did and there was no like you know you just kind of went hey it's mark edwards it's got to be good i'm not gonna bother yeah the and the cover looks like um, a real Mark Edwards book. That's the thing. Like, I can totally see why she purchased this. Um, so our characters and setting are thus. Um, we've got Pamela and Larry Ambrit. They are a couple that have recently moved to Guernogel. Uh, <laughs> no, Guernogle. Guernogle. That's how you say it. Yes, Welsh is fucking hard. Guernogle. I was Guernogle the whole time because that sounded like yeah. a, some kind of weird cereal or something. Um, Past the Grenigal. Yeah, I, I looked it up. It's hard to say. Um, yeah. Welsh is Welsh is fucking impossible. Um, and uh, it's on the. This is a real. Actually, this is a real village that's on the border of the Brakva Forest, which is also how apparently you're supposed to say that. But that's the only time I'm doing that pronunciation. <laughs> um, Welcome to Parish fucks up Welsh. <laughs> yeah, as much as I love Welsh, I can't do it. Um, I tried. Um, but uh, so this so this town and this forest are actually real. I was act- I was really surprised by that. I thought I mean the quality of this book otherwise was so bad. I was like, there's no way they're gonna get anything right. But hey, turns out that's a real place. And that forest is real. Um, so Guernogle is a very 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 small village uh, on the you know cusp of this forest, kind of in the midst of this this big forest. And um, Pamela and Larry have moved there from London. Um, we have. Anne, the child that shows up on their doorstep. Paris, what? Are you sure it's Anne? Yeah, I mean, so I know that you were very perturbed by the fact that there's an S on the end of that, but that is actually an alternate spelling for Anne. It is. Um, yeah, I don't see it often, but I've seen A N N E S before. Oh, um, I was. I, I'm 
I was mistaken. I was I was having a fit about that when I saw it. I was like, that's I've never seen. That's not a real way to spell that. But I stand corrected. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I haven't seen it often, but I've definitely seen that version before. I'm I yeah. It's not common. Is but it perhaps um, like a more f- non-English way to spell it because yeah, probably. I have my suspicions about the writer of this book. Uh, yeah, um, perhaps not having English as his first primary language. Oh yeah, I mean we'll definitely talk about that. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm not. Yeah, I actually don't know um, what cultures use that spelling with the extra s, but I've seen it. I've seen it several times. So yeah, that that's fine. Um, there is Hodges, who is their real estate agent, who helped them, who helped the Amberts find this home. Uh, Bridget, who is a lady that Larry cheated on Pam with earlier in their marriage. Um, Inspector Carter is the inspector assigned to investigate the bullshit that happens in the book. And <laughs> Lieutenant Sophia McBradley is, uh, Inspector Carter's, like, uh, partner or sidekick or whatever. Um, yeah, so, uh... Yeah, as um as I said, the credits and title page already had me in tears. Um let me just pull it up real quick. So, you know how when you start a book, there's a credit and title page. It's like, "Oh, it's copy it's copyrighted for this year." You know, like this is who did the illustration or whatever, you know, it tells you where it was published, blah blah blah. I open this up and uh I notice that it says there's an asterisk and it says individuals pictured are models and are only used for illustrative purposes. There's no pictures of anyone. There's no pictures of anyone in this book. Yeah. No, it's like you just copy pasted a random legal thing. Yeah. And even the cover seems to be digitally generated. So I don't understand why that's there. And then right under it in very tiny italicized font, it says formerly titled why I hate the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Thanks for telling me the working <laughs> title of your novel. Why is this necessary? Um, In case you were looking for the demo version of yeah, this, like the really raw cut yes. before it was edited. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that's scary to think about. Um, there also the state because you know how in almost every every fiction fictional book you read, there's a statement that says like, you know these these characters, even if they're similar to someone in real life, they're they're not based on anyone real. These are all made up. It's weird because his his like fictional character statement is slightly different than the normal ones. Um, it says this fictional novel contains the names of characters, places, events, and a storyline that exists only in the author's imagination. Any resemblance to actual events, persons <laughs> alive or non-living, is a coincidence. And like the choice to use non-living instead of dead made me think that some some undead guy had contacted him previously and was like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, we need to be included here. We're not the dead. We're the non-living." Yeah, just please be mindful of that. <laughs> I have to live forever for eternity now, rotting, and I'm not going to wait around here and just wait for you to get uh, it right. Yeah, so I really like signed liked... Dave E. Zombo. I really like that he was conscientious enough to make sure that yes even the zombies and vampires know they're not their personalities are not being stolen from this <laughs> book so that that kind of got me like is immediately. that what this is everyone in here has like a rotting brain and that's why they act weird oh i wish um you <laughs> chris i chris do you want to read everyone your first note my very first note in the document is just okay okay 
It's one of these. <laughs> yeah. And well, what I mean by that yeah. is that there's a particular kind of terrible book that we come across that just like there's just so many language issues through the whole thing, which is kind of why I think maybe English wasn't the primary language here. Yeah. And usually we don't want to, like, make fun of someone that's trying to, like, learn a new language here. But if you're putting out media in that language, get it checked out by a friend or an editor that, you know, has a better grasp on it, maybe. And this is just me speculating. Yeah. It could be this person is an English speaker primarily. And if so, I have some questions <laughs> to ask. Yeah. And, we, you know, this is something we've said on the show before. Um of course, you know, you don't want to denigrate anyone who is um, writing in a language that isn't their primary one because that's far more difficult, you know, than writing in your primary tongue. But like Chris pointed out, you know, it's like if you're publishing something that other people are going to consume and you want to be taken seriously, you should probably get it get it edited. Um, and if you can't afford that, please consult a friend or family member. Like, I, I don't know. Um yeah, there, I mean, this is, I think this is on the same level as, um, uh, this is on the same level as, what was that screenplay? Um, the Darkness, Veil, the Veil of Dark, what was oh, that one you, we you're, read? Oh, you're, you're talking about, um, the, the world unseeing, no, not, not, not that one. The, uh, uh, uh <laughs> yeah, I erased it from my memory, pal, yeah, so it was just too horrific. It was episode 50, I remember that. That one. Okay, let me let me, let me find the title because... But it's also similar to, like, the, uh... I'm Living But I'm Not Alive, which also weirdly has an undead reference in the title, <laughs> that, like, Chicago crime thing we yeah, read that but was, this, like, but very... That was bad, but this is far worse. Um, The episode we were referring to is The Eclipse of Darkness Unveiling the Unseen World oh, yes. by Robert Arden Zanyi. Zanyi? Um, yeah. yeah, that was... This is on that level. Um, it's just... not quite as insane as that uh, one was in terms of content, in terms uh, of, like, we're not, like, tripping into other dimensions and shit. Uh, yeah, I was just talking about um, the writing. Sorry, yeah. I wasn't comparing. But anyway, so syntax, word choice, it's just all horrible and confusing. Um, we're just going to read some selections. Yeah, I have a couple. My, my first example here of just something that sounds like it get ran through a translator instead of actually being something that someone came up with. The line, oh, someone must have first me to it. As in, they beat me to it or they got there first. Yes. Um, my, I think the second sentence in the book, I think this is the second sentence. Is it the second sentence? Um, it is. Yeah. The, the, sorry. This is the third sentence in the book. I mean, those were the most comforting words I could have hated from everyone. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, it's like the words are comforting, but you also hate when you hear them because uh, I don't know that. Yeah, that's kind of like putting two different meetings against each other there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is it I don't supposed know. to be ironic writing? It just it just feels awkward in the mouth. Uh, um, they some choices of verbs are very strange. Um, Chris, you pointed out one, and I found another. Uh, for example, there's a like verb specifically for speech. So there's a line, yeah, I'm taking this a bit too hard on myself. I bobbed. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. I don't know. There's I, also she gawked me as like the way to like to to express an exclamation. She the 
the main character, Pamela, exclaims something to Larry, her husband, and he it's put as she gawked me. I yeah, I don't know if they meant she gawked at me or but it didn't but really isn't seem a speech verb. No, that's true. It's a look verb. Uh... And then the one that I found the most annoying was that when someone is shouting, they are slamming. Everyone's <laughs> slamming, doing sick death metal riffs around here or something. <laughs> because when people are shouting, it'll be like she slammed or he slammed. Oh yeah, they're slamming. Um some other wonderful selections. And you want to know what it feels like to be against the law? I guess you have no idea. Uh, what? Does that mean to, like, be, you know, be, have a warrant out against you, I uh, guess? I, maybe. Um, Chris, what about the next one that you found? Okay. The speaker in this is male, assumedly. I immediately pulled my weapon from my bosom. First of all, usually we use bosom in the context of, like, a lady. Not always. Sometimes it could totally mean a man thing. But second of all, no matter what you got going on over there, don't put your gun in your tits. Yeah, it seems like a bad place for a gun. Don't put um, your gun in your tits. I mean, I guess unless you're unless it's one of those really, really tiny ones that um, sex workers used to keep, you know, in their bra and... I don't know, the Wild Wild West or whatever, but, like, it's not... But it the, shouldn't be, like, in yeah. the front. I think that's still, like, a side holster that you'd be keeping that in. I don't know. I mean... It just seems I'm, very yeah, unsafe to have any kind of firearm oh, Chris, can around I, your chest. Can I, can I read the next one? Sure. Even as I tried to pull off this mental anesthesia to his iron pipe... I think it's a boner <laughs> reference. It's a boner reference, right? Yeah, I think Iron Pipe is supposed to be a boner, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we, like, Chris, I think you pointed out later in the notes, like, it doesn't even matter. We don't even have to take notes on this because every single sentence is a tragedy. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> like, I mean. This, this is the, what you're trying to parse through while you read the story here. Mm-hmm. And even the plot is still very difficult to sort of, you know, it's, it's a thriller. There are twists and turns, but the twists and turns just happen without rhyme or reason. Yeah. And it seems like they're placed there just to be a twist and not like they were thought out a lot beforehand. Yeah, and the motives of characters seem to make no... They seem to change and be very contradictory as the book progresses. So that's also weird. Um, I mean, but we could probably talk about the language all day. There's some other good ones. Um, I made a note that they... Uh, at the beginning, they talk about how happy they are that the... Realist agent is the realist agent. The realist. Oh, I'm the no. realist agent. Oh and no! I got the realist realist. The book is taking over. Um, <laughs> they say that they are so. Or Pamela says she's really happy that their real estate agent is so tall. And I yeah, was like, like, oh, I oh good. The real estate the real estate agent is the appropriate height. He can check the ceilings and the attic for us. Yeah. I guess like. He can reach those hard-to-take photographs of places, like, above the cabinet. Yeah, I, I guess. I just thought that you was strange. You get to those hard-to-reach brochures with the, you know, the houses that get looked over because they're on a high shelf in the real estate office. Yeah. I, um, you know, so the, the book begins. I guess, I guess we could just try to talk about what happens, then we can, you know, describe all the weird shit in each scene. Um... 
so it opens with Pam talking to herself while she's home during a storm alone because Larry is at the university that he works at. He's a professor. Um, Can't believe this man got hired as a professor, but moving yeah, on. Yeah, moving on. Um, and Pam's by herself at home, again, during a storm. Uh, and there's a thunderstorm, and it's just... <sighs> Pam says that she hears the sound of electrocution, <laughs> which, like... Unless you mean like the cartoon sound effect when someone gets electrocuted happens? Uh, yeah, like like I guess unless someone's getting fried in your yard, like I, I that's not how you would describe a thunderstorm. I don't think electrocution actually makes a sound in real life. She means thunder. Yeah, yeah. That's what she means. Um, and then a window blows open and apparently shatters uh like onto her. As she's standing near the window, and Chris, would you like to explain to the people how every, how every um, kind of shocked or scary sound is described in the text? Okay, there's one of two sound effects you could possibly be talking about here. I'll talk about both. <laughs> so randomly in the middle of the text, it'll be offset in like a separate paragraph or indent as like an onomatopoeia. A lot of things in this book go. Eh. <laughs> or, or alternatively, ee. I don't. I'm not quite sure what it is. It's e e e e e e e h h h h h h h in all caps with a couple of exclamation points at the end. I suppose it could be like eh, like Tim Allen style, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps he's like you know, your house got window got shattered, so he's outside with his power tools, ready to binford it up over here, uh. and he's. Menacingly outside, making those noises. <laughs> but but Pam makes this sound when the window explodes, like onto her. So I feel like if a window exploded onto me, I wouldn't go, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's the reaction I would have. The other sound that gets made a lot in this book, like once again, offset in its own indent paragraph in all caps, away from everything else, no quotation marks or anything, is just, huh. Huh? It's, sometimes it has an exclamation point. Sometimes it has a question mark. Sometimes it has both. But it's it's written like it's a sound effect, I think. Yeah. Or maybe it's supposed to be like a musical sting like that's uh, happening. I don't know. I don't think so because there were no other stage directions written in this. Thank God. <laughs> I don't. Uh, so I don't know what the deal with the huh is it, that randomly appears at shocking moments yeah, in, in this text. I, I don't know. Um. So the window breaks and she's scared um we could talk about how they solve the window being broken yeah larry rushes home and as soon as he comes in he sees that the window is shattered um and uh, he has his quick response is to grab a chair destroy it with a hammer and then nail the chair legs to the window frame and that keeps the water out how first of all, I guess you must have had some really thick chair legs or it was a tiny fucking window. It can't be a tiny window because later on a small child escapes through it. Sorry. So how big are the chair legs? Or maybe the water droplets are enormous and they're stopped by the chair legs. Yeah, I'm like, like dude. Don't you have a tarp? Do you have plastic wrap? Do you have some anything tape. that isn't 
that won't involve destroying another piece of furniture? A I, bed sheet, perhaps. God, anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, who is, whoever encounters a problem in their home and says, you know how I'll fix this one broken part of my house? By destroying another part of it. <laughs> Fuck no. this chair. <laughs> right now it needs to cover my window with the legs. So not even the, the back of the chair Just that the might be solid and like a solid piece of wood or something. A lot of chairs backs have like holes cut on them. I understand. Yeah. But it would be better than just the legs, which are usually thin and spindly. <laughs> yeah, it it that was very confusing and also hilarious. Um So right, right yeah, there's just there's nothing redeeming about this. Um, <laughs> Pam, so this all happens. Pam also mentions towards the beginning that she is a lexicographer, which is, that is. an is extremely that? strange and rare profession. Um, a lexicographer is someone who compiles dictionaries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, someone's got to do it. Well, yeah, but like, I don't know. That's a weird thing to include. Um, it just seems like a very strange strange choice because there's no reason she didn't have to have that profession she could have no reason been for anything. her to not be a lexicographer i guess but maybe it's a very work from home thing yeah i mean i guess because she i mean i suppose you can create dictionaries from your laptop you know um so that i don't know it just seemed like a strange inclusion um similarly uh <laughs> Larry is also, as I said, you know, he's a professor. He's supposed to be um smart guy. And Pam, well, before Larry gets... Th- Sorry, I know we keep flipping back and forth between, like, Pam being home and then Larry coming in. But honestly, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. Um, Pam, while she's at home, she's musing about how Larry is an expert on weather. Um, Even though he's a geography professor? <laughs> That's the ground, not the sky. You got it all mixed <laughs> up here, lady. Yeah, um, and she talks about how a thunderstorm is horrifying and can help his students learn geography better than a book. What? How would the, st- like, <laughs> again, it I, erodes the ground and therefore changes the geography? No, I think that they, I think that they meant meteorology and just <laughs> got the word wrong because there's no, why would a geographer be a weather expert and how could a storm help his students understand things i really think that they meant he has a lot of like daredevil students they have like that thing where if it rains on stuff they can see it you know quote unquote see it yes so that's the part that he left out of the story just you know he forgot to add that in but that's why (laughs) thunderstorm is really useful for his students is they can finally see the landscape there's all a bunch of blind geography students it's really tough to explain to them the the, what a peninsula is yeah yeah yeah, it's a bunch of blind superheroes. That's uh, that's who he's teaching. But I really think that that word just got accidentally swapped out for the wrong profession because it makes no sense. Clearly, he's supposed to be a meteorologist. Like, I don't know why that got switched to geography. <laughs> Something but... got mistranslated on Google Translate. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, so that was a weird thing that happened. Um, there's also another weird word issue where... Pam or Larry refer to the storm as a trough. And I mean, unless there's some variant definition of the word trough that I'm unaware of, that makes no sense. Like a, like a trough is like a, you know, it's a uh, typically a, a elongated 
pail of water for animals to drink out of or eat out of. Or it's just um, any low point in a vibration. A trough? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I didn't I didn't know that. Like a waveform. Really? I think some people call it that. It's not maybe not the technical term, but Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Um yeah, so I don't really understand what they were trying to say there by saying the storm was a trough. It's a uh, low point. It's 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 down the dubs or it's it's full of slop for pigs to eat. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense no matter how you look this at it. This is what we mean about this story. Anyway, um, Larry came home and smashed the chair and solved all the problems. Pamela was very, you know, actually kind of delighted about that. She's like, oh, my resourceful husband who resorts to smashing furniture to solve <laughs> minor household issues. Yes. Um, and they talk about needing to shower because he wants to have sex with her. Um, and she is not interested in that. Uh, and there's a line like one of them seems to be concerned, seems to be saying that they can't take a shower if it's raining. And I, I couldn't understand that, but Chris has some perspective on that apparently. Okay. Um, my mom thinks that if you take a shower during a thunderstorm, you can get zapped if some lightning strikes the house and you're taking a shower and it will conduct through the water in the house and into you because you're taking a shower. That's not a thing. I'm, yes, I know that's not how it works, but every time it's ta- a thunderstorm, she's like, shut off all the appliances and don't take a shower. Why? <laughs> what? It might be some, like, rural Poland thing. Yeah, it sounds like a weird rural European... Maybe back then in the showers, you know, there wasn't that much insulation or, you know, like a lightning rod on the house. So if you were taking a shower, you might get zapped. Huh. Equally plausible is, like, she saw some weird Facebook ad about it. Uh, (laughs) And your mom doesn't doesn't strike me as a... Generally as a conspiracy theorist. Um, So... Depends. Yeah, well, okay, so I guess the jury is still out. Uh, TBC <coughs> listeners, tell us, to, if t- is taking a shower in a thunderstorm safe, or will we die? Um, I gotta say, though, I can't remember the last time I took a shower during a thunderstorm. Like, I can't remember a, a single times. time. I've done a couple times I like to live risky, Paris. <laughs> I know, you... Ride the lightning. I mean, unless you... Unless, like, unless your shower is outside i yeah i don't know just going outside showering in the thunderstorm literally letting the thunderstorm clean you i have no idea so i don't know uh it sounds like bullshit to me but i'm not an expert on showers or thunderstorms so (laughs) amateur shower taker (laughs) yeah i'm very bad at the way i'm always slipping and fall um anyway back to the book Uh, a creepy girl shows up at the front door that's the next thing that happens uh yeah okay um i have a note that says larry doesn't know what the fuck consent means um because he is trying to convince pam to have sex with him even though she very clearly does not want to and says no but then luckily they are interrupted by this child showing up on their porch yeah it's i paris does the girl have all black eyes I mean, they refer to the child's eyes, the ch- or rather, they refer to the child, Anne, as having dark eyeballs, which made me think that the child was some kind of demon, um, because the eyeball is the entire eye, so yeah. I... Also, it, they seem to, like, so, sometimes Larry acts like she's a demon child, because he's, like, very suspicious of her because of her eyes Oh, yeah, sometimes. hang on, hang on a second. So let's, all right, listeners, let's say it's a dark and stormy night, and a small child 
arrives on your doorstep. What is your reaction? Clearly, Paris, this is some kind of hoax. Clearly, you must immediately get your gun to protect yeah. <laughs> yourself from this child. Uh, yeah, Larry seems to be extremely paranoid. And the moment they see the girl, he's like, no, this is a hoax. Uh, and he gets the revolver. Get yeah, because there's a child on his porch. Yeah, <laughs> they don't even they haven't even talked to her yet. He's just immediately suspicious. Um, I mean, sure, if somebody shows up on your doorstep in the middle of the night, you know, you should probably have s- some level of caution. But pulling a gun on a child seems a little ridiculous. Um, they basically Pam. They argue. Pam wants to take the child in, so they do. He's like yelling and waving the gun the whole time. Uh, and it's just like, oh, basically, I don't know. He's just an asshole. He just assumes that this is some kind of trick. And he keeps using the word hoax, which I don't think this is necessarily the correct way to use the word hoax. Usually, like, a yeah. hoax would be if someone made up the fact that a child showed up at your door. And they're trying to sell you on that story. But a child showing you uh, showing up at your door might be a scam, but that's different from a hoax, which right. is like a, a made-up story. Yeah. Um. So kind of a weird, yeah, just a weird, a slightly wrong sense of the word, basically. Um, that makes it sort of awkward. They argue. Um. Pam keeps the kid and tries to get her to talk, but all I think the kid will only say that her name is Anne. Um. Pam really wants a baby. That's something that they establish immediately. Uh, in this book but she for some for some reason she can't she's barren i guess um and they later reveal why that is it's a hell of a reason um so pam is kind of just like oh i just want to keep this kid yeah and larry larry has like a moment of lucidity you know and is just like uh we can't we got to report this you know whereas pam doesn't want to she just wants to steal this child that showed up at their house which yeah, is it's not like you can treat it just like a random dog that shows up like no one's going to come asking about that it's a child it's a human being you really got to let someone know where that kid that's hanging around your house all of a sudden came from yeah yeah so they argue pam and Anne like sleep together not not in a sexual way but they sleep in the same on the, bed on the couch i think um and no i think no they were upstairs in a bedroom um so she's like cuddling with the kid uh which i don't know Turtle i feel weird like, already i guess yeah, but i guess you know if she's yeah. scared or something I, I just yeah it's like you just met this kid five minutes ago i don't know about cuddling her in bed it's kind of weird um but you know they the book tries to make you understand that Pam is very desperate for a child, so I guess in that way it makes sense. Um, then more weird stuff happens. Um, there's a line where someone says, oh man, I kissed my teeth. <laughs> I don't I, know what that is. I don't know. Is I, that like when you smack your teeth? Like the like the sound kind of thing? I guess. But I'm, you're not like turning your lips inward <laughs> to do that. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, and then Pam wakes up and Anne is gone and it's 3.30 a.m. But Pam says that she has overslept. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no. Lady. I forgot to get up for my early, early morning lexicography. Oh, I have I to forget. get started really early. There's so many words. If I'm not up early enough, I will get swamped with the rest of the words. Yeah. It's just a very strange schedule <laughs> she keeps, I guess. Um, 
And then, Chris, you pointed out the hard scene cut. So if you want to talk about that, feel free. Okay, so that thing that happens where all of a sudden it's 3.30 in the morning, even though it says later that morning. Um, The previous scene, they're arguing about, like, keeping the kid or not. And also, like, at one point, Larry goes like, oh, we'll go to the adoption board tomorrow and we'll talk to them about getting her to be ours. I don't think you can just show up at an adoption board with, like, hey, I found this kid. Can I have her? Yeah, that's not how that works. Well, I mean, unless whales, unless whales, much like... um. Oh, what was that other place that we decided was the wild, wild west of adoption uh, from another book? I forget completely. Yeah, but unless Wales is also like that, um, I don't think you can just pluck a child from your doorstep and keep it. That's Okay, I'm going to read you the last paragraph or two of the chapter where they're talking about keeping the child or not. And then I will segue into the next chapter. I looked at my watch after wiping her jaws. Okay, also weird. <laughs> we have a little over two hours of rest left before dawn. Let's make the best of it. I pulled. Maybe you're right. And by the way, did she say anything more about where she's from? And more importantly, why did she find her way to our doorstep? Pamela looked me in the eyes. She had her fists folded. The poor kid was tired. She fell asleep after drinking that warm tea. Later that morning, honey, honey, wake up, hurry. What happened? In between here, because it's just all of a sudden they're having a conversation that doesn't seem like it's an end point. And then all of a sudden, Larry was asleep and he has to be woken up by Pamela. And so what happened in the interim, which makes the whole rest of this very confusing, because the next scene is about Anne escaping. And you've left out the very relevant details about who was sleeping where at what time. So at what opportunity did the girl have to escape? If you're just hard cutting, they could have, as far as I know, they fell asleep immediately. They fell into a coma right on the floor immediately after that last sentence was said. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe this, you know, Chris, we always want authors to leave things to the imagination more. And this this guy heard us and just yeah, but this is what I meant. Level. You have to at least be like, and then I went to bed. I know. <laughs> so I know where everyone ended up because it was Pam still cuddling up with this girl if so how did she escape from pam's grasp or like yeah it does not it does not make any sense also Um, she seems to have escaped from the window so someone tore off the chair legs (laughs) from the window yes uh they later use this fact just to um prove that the child had help in escaping from the house and we'll talk about why that's weird in a little bit um but that also means that the window had to be at least small child size, which still renders it pretty tough to cover with some chair legs. Just pointing that out. Yeah. Um, there's also a weird sentence that says, uh, actually in this scene, Chris described where they're like, he's, wake up, hurry, honey, wake up. Uh, a few sentences later, it says, Pamela wrapped this towel around her waist, covering her nightgown. If you have a nightgown on, why do you have to cover it with a towel? <laughs> I just, what? Were you in the shower? I don't think you were. I just, yeah, I mean, they, and I don't get why, because it's just them in the house. So, like, question one, why do you need to cover your nightgown? Question two, even if your nightgown is, I don't know, particularly scandalous, it's just you and your husband in the house. Why do you have to cover your nightgown? With a was towel she wet from the further rain of the thunderstorm that's no longer happening. 
No, no, Pam is inside, and here's the best thing, is that towel must be soaking wet because it had been used to dry off Anne the night before. <laughs> so she just cover yourself in a wet towel when you were previously dry. The opposite of what a towel is for. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, sometimes you need a wet towel, but, but that's not the situation for it. Oh, like, you know, sometimes if you've, you know, you can you can wet a towel and put it in the freezer, like in the summer if you're overheating, or conversely, uh, wet a towel with hot water to kind of help um, ease any aches or pains. But like, <laughs> that's no, this is she not just what's puts happening. a wet towel on for some reason. All right, and then, uh, all right, everybody, this is where we have to talk about sexual assault because this. Before we get there, can fucking... I just also? Bring up a few awkward phrases. Like, we're going to get to that part. Don't worry. But they basically get into an argument about, do we chase the kid? She definitely went off into the forest is clearly where she went. It's not like she escaped this weird house where you people say things weird. Like, I wandered off a few chains, leaving Pamela behind. What is a chain as a unit of measurement? Hey, maybe think maybe they measure things by chain in Wales. You know, maybe this is I, just something we incredibly don't accurate. This is what makes me think that this was run through Google Translate, but what possibly yeah. could have... Okay, yeah, but yeah, let's get back to the, the icky part in this chapter where they're arguing about, hey, should we chase this kid? And then Larry is like, okay, okay. you want a kid so bad? You know, hang on a second, hang on a second. One second. So I decided I would look up units of length in Wales, and there's some wild ones. Uh, what? So one inch is equal to uh, three barley corns, which is apparently okay. a unit of measurement in Wales. Okay, specifically in um, Wales, all right. But they do not use chains. They use uh, paces, feet, or yards. Uh, or, sorry, paces, feet. It looks like they do use inches as well. But they also refer to one foot as three palms. So... <laughs> <laughs> Even wackier imperial measurements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. So Learning new stuff all the time. But anyway, anyway, chains still not right. You know, yeah. you could have. You know, if he was measuring his step in barley corns, he actually would have been <laughs> correct. <laughs> I wanted to oh. weigh a few barley corns, leaving her to complain on her own. <laughs> Fuck me, that's great. All right. Um. Anyway, Larry's anyway. like, "Hey, you want a kid so bad? How about?" Uh, 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 he says. You know what happens. Uh, he's, the line is, if you want a kid, I'll give you a kid. Uh, commence shuddering and puking simultaneously. Mercifully, uh, it doesn't go into detail. It just cuts the chapter off there. And then it's like the next morning and Larry's headed off to work. And he's like, man, I should probably apologize about the rough sex last night. Uh, Buddy, that's not the fucking problem. The problem is you're a monster. <laughs> Yeah, I just couldn't believe that there is a forcible rape scene in this laughably thrown together book. Just like, whoa, what the fuck? I mean, if that's just one of those things, you know, obviously, um, not all books are happy fun time. And sometimes an author is going to have to write about something as fucking horrific and tragic as that. But you need to use very careful language. Um, and this is not, this book is not the time or place for that because this language is 
far also, from careful or thoughtful. I don't think the author treats this as sexual assault. Nope. Because Larry doesn't. just seems to be fine with being like, yeah, no, I got to apologize about the roughness. Yeah, and before and before anyone gets too upset with me for saying that some books are going to have rape scenes and that can be okay, um, please refer to Swamplandia, uh, okay. where there is a really, really well-written scene um, involving that, and I, you know, again, don't don't need to over overstay depiction my my welcome is here. Not endorsement. <laughs> yes, depiction is not endorsement. And sometimes we need to um, we need to read things that are challenging and upsetting. Anyway, but this didn't have to be here. There's no, no, re- no. I, I mean, even even though I guess Pamela's you know inability to have a child is central to the story. So then, if that's the case, and Larry knows this, why would he think? this would work right yeah and and again like you said it's clear that the it's it seems pretty clear that the author is not trying to to portray larry as an asshole for a purpose it just seems like the author himself thinks that this is okay um yeah anyway larry comes back home and pam's gone i wonder why yeah hmm turns out when you sexually assault your wife she might leave you she might leave you to become a woods witch. Um, <laughs> so all of a sudden, Larry is feeling very regretful um, and decides he needs to find his wife. So again, they make the assum- he makes the assumption that his wife is in the woods. And I don't know why they keep thinking that that everyone runs into the woods is when they no leave road? the house. Like there, the car you road. came in on? Yeah, there, there are roads. Um, there's no Uber out here? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the other thing. I don't know what what timeline, what time she's on a laptop, and she's oh, yeah, like, you know, right, communicating. Right. It's not like sorry. there's internet and shit here. You're right. I'm sorry. And they were talking about cell phones. I I'd forgotten that. Um, yeah. So I don't know why the default assumption is if someone wants to get away from this house, they run directly into the woods because I don't <laughs> that's think the that only that's the place you can possibly go. I don't think that's how that works. Um. So anyway, he's like, oh, I have to go to the woods and, and find my wife. And he seems to think that she's been kidnapped because... Anne he, took her. Yeah, he thinks as a child Anne kidnapped his wife. Because of the hoax, you see. Yes. Uh, and he runs into the woods screaming about, hey, little girl, give me my wife back. I know you're in here with her. I got my gun on me and I will shoot it wildly around and into the air until you give me my wife back. Yeah. And then the little girl does show up and he continues to fire his weapon threateningly in oh, order to scare her. Can we talk about this man loves shooting his gun. So he shoots his gun to scare a little girl. And you know what? <laughs> he also cocks his gun when he sees mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> it literally mentions him seeing mosquitoes and he like pulls the hammer back. Yeah, and then he goes, oh, wait, I need to save my bullets. I can't waste them on these mosquitoes. (laughs) Literally the mosquito hunter sketch from Marty Python, Paris. Literally a Marty Python sketch happening here. I'm just like, oh, God. My note note, um, for that section was, I'm crying from laughter for the fourth time already. (laughs) I'm not going to let any of these mosquitoes bits me. (laughs) Apparently, he's such a good shot. That when he randomly shoots into the air to scare Anne, he actually hits a bird and the corpse hits him. 
is this supposed to be like slapstick? Is, is that I, what we're no, going for? No, it's not supposed to be, but it certainly reads as such. Um, and then, then more. Oh, it gets it gets more confusing, everyone, because guess what? He's in the woods and he gets chased by a jeep. Yeah. How? That's what happened. Like Anne leads him into the path of this oncoming jeep. <laughs> How does the jeep fit in the woods? Okay. How does the jeep fit all, in the woods? Okay. Let's assume there's a road for the jeep through the woods. If that was the case, run into the trees where the jeep can't get to you because it would have to go around some trees. Second of all, is the forest so sparse that the jeep can, like, get through the trees? And even if so, if you put your back to a tree from where the jeep is coming at you, it could not pull a hairpin turn fast enough to get around the tree and get you. Third of all, if the trees are very thin and a jeep can run them over, it would still slow the jeep down enough for you to get away from the jeep. I'm crying, Chris. Unless it is an extremely tiny, like, power wheel yes, jeep. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was just going to That's what I was imagining it as, because I was like, I was like, how else could there be a jeep? It has to be a little tiny child jeep. That's what it has to be. But he is indeed very frightened and runs away from it. And he also, like, just drops his gun randomly. So I guess he has no excuse to shoot out the tires. He also slips and falls out of his shoes, Paris. At one point, he's just running through the forest and he slips out of his shoes. I guess it was some real fucking loose sneakers or something, buddy. Which, again, kind of cast this as very slapstick to me. Yeah, it was so strange. Um... Anyway, he runs out of the woods into the open where the jeep can get him better, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know. But he runs into his house to call the cops and he gets Inspector Carter on the line and he tries to explain to them. That a child stole his wife in the woods. Yeah, a child stole my wife and I had to go into the woods and a jeep chased me. I didn't get a good look at who was chasing me. Please come to the house immediately, (laughs) Inspector Carter. Uh, yeah, and then while he's uh, <clears throat> right after this phone call, a woman named Bridget shows up who we have not been introduced to previously. She just shows up out of the blue. Just shows up at the door and immediately falls into this cliched, sexy woman that wants to fuck you uh, persona. Yeah, and she, you know, because she's the woman you cheated on with, and you get the man has to resist her wily charms. It's her fault I cheated, you see, because she just wouldn't relent, is I believe what's been going for here. Because Larry at first is like, no, I can't give in to this bitch. And then he starts to like feel her up a little bit and then like blames her later for being crazy and like fucking his life up or something. Yeah, um,. And yeah, and it's and just the way that it's described too. I oh, how does he describe this book when it tries to describe women being sexy? Is uh, they make some strange choices. Um, You're, I'll just read a random passage from this. Yeah, I was trying to find something, but I think you probably are ahead of me. Well, she's not here now, is she? So you are behind this. Behind what? Take those darn hands from off my chest, Bridget. I'm talking about my wife's disappearance. A bad girl you've married? I mean, leaving home without telling her husband how miserable you must be? This is not a joke, Bridget. Why are you smirking like that? Where's Pamela? I'm not a wife keeper, I'm afraid. More of an husband keeper, she grins. 
Did you hurt my wife? All hyphenated for some reason. Did you hurt my wife? <laughs> I had my fists folded. Again with the folding fists. <laughs> now she was slinging her keys around her finger. Oh, someone must have first me to it. There it is. <laughs> to what? To killing her. She rested her large bum on my kitchenette <laughs> counter, a leg before the other while folding her <gasps> arms. You know I hate your wife. Or for a better term, the woman you marry. There's the title. <laughs> That's not God. a better term. Wife is much more succinct. It's only four <laughs> letters in one sentence. Okay, you better leave our home. You hear me? You're still as handsome. Leave! I pointed. Don't you ever believe you're going to just come over here and ruin my mother-freaking marriage. <laughs> she turned away from me. Remember, I loved you first, Larry. First love, you know, never dies. Look, Bridget, I don't have time for this. I held my forehead, my head tilting downward. I didn't come home and see my wife. So what happened? I think she probably went off into the woods behind our home. But why? Yeah, Bridget, I agree. <laughs> I guess she went after this little girl who had visited our home last evening in the heavy rains. Bridget walks toward the cupboard, taking a look at the woods behind our home through the kitchenette window. Man, that perfume she's wearing. So adorably French. <laughs> what makes a perfume French? What Paris, makes it, it smell like baguettes and cheese and wine? Oh, uh, what makes it adorably French? That's I, a weird way to describe I, a perfume. I'm going to stop there. There's just a whole heap uh, of, of words from this book into your brain. That's what it sounds like all the time. Oh, my God, Chris. I could, I think I could just listen to you read this whole book. Like, that was, that was so good. That was fucking great. Oh. Well, I'll read some more later. There's definitely some yeah. Inspector Carter scenes I have to read out loud. Oh, uh, or, yeah, it, oh, Jesus. Anyway, Bridget's around slutting it up in the house. Yeah, because that's, oh, oh, my favorite part is when, when Bridget starts to successfully seduce him, and there is a line, um, and then I started massaging her dark clean cut eyebrows <laughs> is that an erogenous zone for her I mean I guess different people have different things you know I, guess. I like my ears being touched but that's at least got some nerve endings in there <laughs> oh yeah yeah just brilliant just brilliant I why was that the choice um yeah so then then uh, the real estate agent shows up, Paris. Yeah. Remember him? Remember oh, the really tall one? The really tall real estate agent. Yes, I do. He shows up outside with a gun threatening to kill Harry. And he's like, oh, the boss told me to do this. I'm getting paid for it. So, to be clear, this is a real estate agent slash hitman. That I guess is, that is selling a house to his hits. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be blurring those lines, fella. Yeah, you want them to be pretty separate bags that you're holding. Yeah, right. Like it's gonna be pretty easy to piece together these murders if uh, you're murdering everybody that you sell houses to. <laughs> uh, I've made a brilliant way to like turn my profits up even higher. I sell them a house and then I murder them and I get the money for that. I mean, and this and again, this is just what Chris and I can kind of cobble together. There's yeah. no clear um 
There's no clear evidence in the book that that's really what's going on, but it sort of makes sense. Then Pamela shows up in a sexy dress. Yeah. So somehow she went into the woods, put a different dress on, and then came back. So she has some, I don't know, woods cottage like or... Femme fatale entrance is what she really wanted to do. She shows up and shoots Hodges. Bridget just runs away. With her own gun. Yes. Um. And so Larry's like, oh my god, you saved me, or whatever, to Pam. Then... Inspector Carter shows up because, as you know, as you may remember or may not at this point, Larry had called Inspector Carter um, because Pamela had disappeared. So he actually shows up, you know, just in the nick of time. And they just tell him, oh, it was self-defense. And he's like, "Okay, Makes sense. I got called here for a completely different reason. And now there's a dead body here of an unrelated party that was not mentioned in the call. But okay, self-defense, I believe you. Yeah, they they just don't even think to investigate it. Um. Yeah. So the next day, cut to Carter and his lieutenant, Sophia McBradley. It's always Lieutenant Sophia McBradley specifically, uh, as is put there. And Chris, do you want to? would you like to read the next horny passage for us, or would you like me to take this one? Okay. Um, let me see if I could find a good starting point here. Because I feel like last episode, everyone had to sit through like five minutes of me making sexy monkey talk, so I'm sure they, they would enjoy okay. some, some Chris time. I'm just going to read start from the beginning of the chapter. The following morning, DEA Unit South Wales, Inspector Carter. I pulled the blinds at the windows of my of my office open so more of the morning sunlight could enter, and in came Lieutenant Sophia McBradley. Anything on the Cartwrights yet? She asked after taking a seat ta- seat on the table beside my desk, long legs crossed, her navy blue pencil skirt now an inch or so above her knees. I've been thinking about making a move on her since she replaced Briggs as lieutenant. I knew if I wanted to know what was beyond that dark ponytail and those pair of blue eyes, I had to do it discreetly and quick. The Wales Police Department had taken a firm stance against office romance, especially since the controversy between Hunter and Sims. Buddy, tone it the fuck down maybe then? Carter, she pointed her nose toward the ceiling, those eyes blinking at me in a probing sort of way. Sophia had a way of looking purposeful, yet charming. Oh, well, nothing on the Cartwrights, not as yet. I'm looking into this thing that's not really adding up. She swiftly uncrossed her legs and got off the table. She moved over to my desk. What's not adding up, Carter? There was just a hyphen there randomly. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. The way she looked me over, I believed she really needed to ask me why was I gopping her pair of hips the way I did. All right, one more take on that sentence. <laughs> the way she looked me over, I believed she really needed to ask me why was I gopping her pair of hips the way I did. I... Okay. Was he grasping her pair of hips? No, he was staring pair at her of hips. hips. He was staring at them. I like pair of hips because, it, I mean, that that's redundant. Hips are the pair. You would say hip if it was singular. You pair know, of just that's... gotta be clear that there's two of them that he's looking at. But hips, hips signifies there's two. Someone doesn't have <laughs> three or like what? Sorry. Anyway, now he's super horny about the, his l- lieutenant here, even though it seems like maybe his last one was you know ran away from him for being so fucking horny at her or something like that. Because he just cannot stop talking. Anytime Lieutenant Sophia McBradley walks in, he's got to mention something about her outfit or her legs or her bosom or something like that. Anyway, in this scene, basically, they're talking about the weird thing that happened. 
Um, he, there's also a weird sentence here. I looked it up to her eyes. She blinked. I mean, by the time I reached their home, his missing wife showed up elegantly dressed. She wore date fragrance, if you know what I mean. Uh... Just say perfume, buddy. You don't have. Why does this have to be like a fucking mystery? I'm solving here. Does everything have to be a mystery with you, Inspector Carter? Just put it straight <laughs> to me. Also, why is why is perfume only allowed on dates? I don't. I wear. Yeah, sometimes I just like to smell nice. I'll slap some cologne on when I just go outside, just to smell nice. Yeah, dude. I like my scented lotion, and sometimes I have other perfume like all the time. I don't. <sighs> Anyway, then they go ask their, like, tech guy, like, hey, could you tell us about any missing girls that match the description of the girl that, w- that we were called in to hear? To- Wait, and why would they have to ask their tech guy? Why wouldn't they just look it up in the fucking database? They can't fucking do anything on their own. You always got to go bother IT for how to do a fucking Google search. Paris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can tell you this is true. Why exactly. did I question that? That's exactly. my reality every day. Moving on. Anyway, the tech guy runs the you know the description through the date i guess i don't know he just goes into the database looking for like brown dark eyes or like double pigtails or something like that and he's like ah there's nothing in here yeah i looked twice and there's nothing that really matches that description in the age group and inspector carter and the lieutenant are like oh well shucks and he's like well you know my girlfriend's a social worker and nah that can't be it and then of course then they're like what is it and then he's like well she mentions a girl that came from a home with dark eyes and two dark pigtails. So it's like, buddy, if you heard about that, why didn't you fucking lead with that instead of going and looking at the database? And why would you, like, hide it from them once you realized that, hey, maybe this matches? You don't have to be, like, coy about it. Yeah. Anyway, they go to the home, supposedly, that this girl came from. <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. There's a really hostile interaction with the staff for some reason. Yeah, they walk in and they're like, hey, we want to know about this this child that you had for adoption. And the adoption agency is pretty cagey. Um, but, like, my question is why why wouldn't they have had a warrant? I mean, I don't know how Welsh law works, but I imagine they would... It must be sort of similar to what we've got going on over here, where, like, if you want to get records or find out something that's privileged, you typically have to ask a judge to approve a warrant, you know, but they didn't do that. They just walk in. They're like trying to bully the adoption agency into giving them information. (laughs) And then as they're bullying, like the clerk out front, the manager just like runs out of her office and sees them and runs down the hallway away from them. Just super guilty about everything. (laughs) No obvious plot happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they catch up to her and she tells that what did, what did they even say that, that that she sold the child because yeah. the, the someone came in was, oh that's oh sorry it wasn't an adoption agency i'm sorry it was a like a um it was a like an orphanage sorry an but orphanage. they adopt kids out yeah yeah they do anyway someone came in and paid an absurd amount of money specifically for Anne. And they were like, wow, this is a lot of money. I guess we'll just give her away then because, boy, do we need the funds. Which seems very ethically bad for an (laughs) orphanage. Yeah. That's like the one thing you shouldn't do is not run references just because someone has a bunch of money. That's the hugest red flag in the world. Yeah, I mean, but the world is a fucked up place. So that actually seems like kind of a probable thing for me. Um, Just because, I mean, I hate to say this, but... 
children and people get uh they get sold all the time around the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's unfortunately not as ridiculous as it might seem. Um anyway. So, anyway, they what happens at that point? I don't they know. like rush out because it's like a little bit obscured, I think, as to who actually bought the child. Let me double. No, check it was that. Hodges. They knew it was Hodges, right? Oh yeah, they revealed that it was indeed Hodges that bought yeah. Anne's from the orphanage. So for his hit to lure I, them I out of the house. I don't know. Um, then we cut back to Larry and Pam. We then learn that Larry's infidelity is the reason that Pam is barren. So that's fucked up. Because he think um, there was some kind of STI that rendered Pamela Barron, but not him. Maybe that's a thing that happens in real life. I didn't really Google uh, that much about it. Yeah, I mean, I know that. I know that if I think syphilis. Maybe. Yeah, I know that if you let if you let some things go unchecked, like syphilis, yeah, that can really fuck you up. But I, I mean, again, we're not medical doctors, but um, like, why would you stay with your husband that cheated on you and then made you barren with an STI after he cheated on you, like? I just can't imagine. Well, um, it's then revealed that Pamela is out to murder Larry because she's drugged him a little bit after she it specifically says, like, I gave him enough booze and sex to distract him for 24 hours after we after I murdered that person. And now I'm going to kill him with this knife here. Wait, who did she murder? Oh, oh, Hodges. Yeah, yeah Hodges. And now she's about to murder Larry. Who she saved from Hodges. Why not let Hodges kill him? Right. Well, I think in this case, she wanted her revenge, so she wanted to do the murder. So I get it. Like, But Paris, here's the thing. I think there's no sense obscuring this. She reveals that she was sleeping with Hodges and cheating on Larry with him. And I think it's assumed that she's the one that he referred to as the boss that bought the hit. On Larry. Right. I think so, too. So, why would you kill the hitman you paid for and have a murder charge that you have to dodge, a double murder charge, if you're going to also kill your husband? Yeah, that's a good question, Chris. Secondly, why use that man to purchase a new house and then... Assumedly, you might be in on the whole Anne thing. But why would you buy the child? Why would he buy the child? What, I, how does this plan work? I why does the hitman go and buy a child to lure the wife out of the house? The wife that he planned the hit with. Can't the wife just leave the house? To lure the without the kid. Right. Was the kid a surprise part that Pamela didn't know about? Why would Hodges bother to buy the kid to do that? Because Pamela pa- because Pamela wanted a kid, so maybe that was like So maybe it wasn't really part of the plan, but he wanted to give her a kid, so they incorporated it. <laughs> but Anne clearly lures Larry into the woods for the Jeep chase, right? Yeah. I Chris, I don't think there's any way we can make this make sense. (laughs) Anyway, Pamela turns on the crazy switch here. And she's talking about how she wants her revenge so bad 
on Larry, that's where that mental anesthesia on the iron pipe line happens. Oh, there's another the it's another great line you're going to read, right? Yes, right. <laughs> when she has a knife to Larry's throat and he's trying to like say like, "Oh, but baby, I love you. Why would you do this?" Then she says, "I'm having an orgasm now just thinking about the way you really start to care about me now when I honestly don't give a damn about you." So clearly she's oh. trying to say it's really getting me off that I know I've cheated on you and fucked you over just when you're starting to actually care about me. But just the way that sentence is phrased. Oh, boy. It's real weird. Anyway, Bridget shows up again to save Larry from Pam. Yes. And then a physical altercation Uh, occurs. A deadly physical exchange, Chris. Excuse me. Okay. They literally get into a slap fight, uh, Pamela and Bridget. Here's the passage. Okay. It's from um, Pam's perspective. Bridget shows up with her own gun, of course. Mm-hmm. And Larry's saying, Bridget, put that gun away. Hyphenated again for some reason. And how dare you walk into my house, you miscreant. This is Pamela. You had better mind your own business. I do whatever I want to do or with my husband. You come any closer than I'll shoot. Ladies, come on. Stop this crap. She doesn't love you, Larry. She was going to cut your throat and I had not gotten here in time. Get out. Leave my home. Pamela, no. She's got a gun. I race toward this bitch, wielding my knife. Bang, bang, bang. Pamela. Shots continued going off, causing mayhem as wall hangings started falling to the floor, making miserable shards of glass fly promiscuously, promiscuously in all directions. Now her rounds had ended and she hurled the gun hitting me in the forehead. My time, pervert. I raced toward her despite the sharp pain in my head jabbing at her chest, but she held my hand away from her. You not going to hurt Larry. I'm not. Stop me then. Come on, ho. Stop me then. I blew. (laughs) We continued our brawl, tearing each other's clothes off, of course, and pulling each other's hair out. Oh, naturally. I so badly wanted to end her. Larry, you had better let go of me. You hear me? I can't make you do this, Pam. You're not making her do it. Larry, let me go. Slap. I held my jawbone. You didn't just do that, did you? Of course I did. Want more? Slap, 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 slap. We continued our deadly physical exchange. Slap, slap, slap. It's a slap fight. It's not really a deadly physical exchange. We we at, went at it like angry mongrels. Not even Larry could have contained us. Well, I wish he could have because... Larry. Oh, shit, Pamela. Larry, I didn't, did I? He held me in his arms as we both looked at Bridget, staring at us while lying on her back, her own blood overflowing in her mouth. How the fucking hard did you slap her, lady? Or was it a knife slap? Is that what you meant by slap? So she was slapped to de- well, she was slapped to the ground, and then when she fell, she fell on a knife. That's literally how this lady dies. It's she not really falls very on a knife. Clear about that? No, it is. There's a sentence that says she fell on the knife. Oh, okay. Well, I guess yeah. fine. Anyway, after that deadly physical altercation of slapping, Larry and Pamela decide to hoof it on out of there together. So right, right. So Pam who a moment, moments ago, wanted to finally get her revenge on Larry and kill him, decides she's going to 
I don't know, work together with him instead of just killing him too and then leaving them both dead and making it look like a double murder. Like, she could have gotten away, scot-free there. Um, maybe not, but in this, in this world of this book, sure. (laughs) Um, but instead they leave together. And that also means that Larry, who knows that Pam wants to kill him, also decides that it's cool to just stick with her. I, I don't understand. What? Who do you want to kill and when, Pamela? So they're, they say that they paid someone a couple thousand dollars, a couple thousand pounds to like escape and the u.s conversion it was like maybe three grand and i was like wow you can escape from murder for like three thousand dollars that's pretty cool <laughs> i guess you know those passports are just kind of cheap and a rental car was part of the package too and a place to stay that's real cheap for all of that yeah that's what i was thinking i was like that doesn't really make any sense um yeah so they are driving to their secret cabin or whatever that they're gonna hide out at and bridget appears with an axe and starts... The car starts... breaks down a little bit or something. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. The car does break down. I forgot. But Bridget was following them, A, and B, not dead? Yeah, even though she had been slapped to, to the floor and <laughs> fell on a knife and was, and bleeding, was bleeding from her mouth. Um, Yeah, somehow... Yeah, and I don't know how she would have followed them. But I don't understand how on she would have found foot, them. I guess... Yeah, but if they were driving, that hardly makes sense. Yeah. I Okay, anyway. Even if she had a car, she was so injured and left presumably much later than they did. It just doesn't make sense that she would catch up to them. So they're getting harassed by her with the axe. Um, the, Larry and um, Pam are so scared that they piss themselves. Yes. They... they, they... <laughs> There's a part where Larry's like, oh, if you would just start the car, we could escape and you wouldn't piss up yourself so much or something like that. He was like, why is the seat wet? And she was like, I was scared or something something like that. And it's very strange. <laughs> anyway, some egg happens again, which I guess ah! is the sound of an axe hitting a car as well. Here's another fun part is when Bridget pulls the axe, they're in the car. This <laughs> what it says. The fun part is over. She pulled this axe she had been hiding behind her. They hurriedly rolled the windows of the car up and locked all the doors, which I think is a hilarious reaction to someone pulling an axe. It's just roll them up. Yeah. Roll them up. The glass will will help us. Um, Oh, my God. My favorite. Okay. I think. Wait, Chris. Chris, give me the next one. Okay. Anyway. Next one. Everyone Please. starts saying, eh, eek, eh, and now Bridget is also screaming, eh, at them. Yeah, there's just a bunch of, eh, eh. And then she says, oh, just look at the both of you, like a Peter Mouse and Peach's mouse. Oh, that's mouse. what I wanted to say. You took it from me. I'm Damn sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what you were talking about. Oh, just look at the both of you, like a Peter Mouse and Peach's mouse caught in somebody's bread trap. Who is Peter and Peach's mouse? I googled it. Paris, there's no Peter and Peach's mouse. It's capitalized as if there are characters I should know. You know what? You do you know, know Peter's and Peach's mouse? No, I think I do. I think. Who is Peter and Peach's mouse, Paris? I think it's, um, um, I think it's the, uh, um, um. I think it's Worker and Parasite, um, the Russian version of Itchy and Scratchy. That's what I think it is. I think that's... 
But yet she's a cat. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, it would be hilarious if it was just that's what they were in America instead of uh, working in Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot that that's what they called it. Peter Mouse and Peach's Mouse. I I don't understand. Caught in the bread. You don't leave bread, bread for the mice. You leave cheese for the mice, last I heard. I'm sure I, bread is fine, too. But traditionally, it's a cheese trap for mice. Yeah, I... No, Peter. You know what, Chris? <laughs> From now on, you are Peter Mouse, and I am Peach's Mouse. Okay, fine. It's <laughs> us now. Okay. So they have this weird axe car altercation. There's a lot of eek eeking happening. From both Bridget and the axe hitting the car, right? Um, and then all of a sudden it ends. Okay, here are the final few paragraphs in this book. Every single windshield shattered into shards, which flew carelessly all over. The way how she started banging the dismantled car with that merciless hatchet. Bridget, no. No one messes with Bridget and gets away. No one. She mocked. Luckily for them, though, there were flashing red and blue lights, which had been accompanied by screaming sirens. Pamela and Larry were unhurt, well apart away from a few scratches, thanks to flying fragments of their windshields. By now, their car had looked like wreckage on four flat tires. You want to tell us what happened? Officer, she's been stalking my husband. She tried murdering us. We're so happy you came in time, officers. Truth is, Bridget was suddenly nowhere to be seen. The police party was headed by Inspector Carter and Lieutenant Sophia McBradley, and of course, the little girl named Anne. The end. What? <laughs> the fuck just happened? Oh, and then and then he leaves us with a lovely sample of another of his books at the end, I, which I, I did not read. No, I didn't either. I did not read that fucking shit. Okay, so there was an interim scene that we left out here where uh, we cut back to Inspector Carter and Lieutenant Sophia McBradley in the office who, after hearing about the whole Hodges thing, just goes back to the police station and decides, like, eh, whatever. That's not a lead I should follow. Nope, totally fine. Anyway, the first thing that immediately happens, this is why I wanted to read this scene, is because... Knock, knock. Come in. The door to my office creaked as it opened. Lieutenant? Hi, Carter. It was Lieutenant Sophia McBradley. Her skirt was shorter than usual. Fucking relax. No, horny all the time. All men horny, always. Anyway, she starts flirting harder. And all of a sudden, they're interrupted when they're about to actually do it or something. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Oh, man, why now? I hurriedly buttoned my shirt while Sophia pulled her skirt down, covering her thighs. Come in. It was James. What's with that smile, man? Thought... Did he realize I was going to give Lieutenant Sophia Bradley a proper slapping? Which is by far the most British way I've ever heard to describe fucking (laughs) is a proper slapping. (laughs) A proper slapping. I don't know that that's a normal uh, Welsh phrase. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, that a few paragraphs later, Anne walks in to the police station to assume, I assume, inform the inspector, like, hey, don't you want to follow up on this fucking lead with these two people? That, like, I, you know, I don't know. And I don't even know why she leads them back to where. Wait a minute. If they were on the run in the car, how did the cops with Anne find them? I, I don't know. Maybe they were, I mean, they seem like idiots. They were probably easy to track down. 
Did um, Anne sell them their getaway package in like a trench coat on top of another person's shoulders? Maybe. Uh, dude, nothing Paris. makes sense. This is a broken What The broken plot of book. this book is Pamela and Larry move to a place that Pamela used uh, her lover to set them up in. Her lover slash hitman yes. sold them a house so that they could lure Larry out of the house into the woods with a little girl that Hodges bought. And then Pam comes and saves Larry from the hit only to want to kill him again. Except when his former lover shows up, the reason you're mad and then you accidentally kill her and then you decide to run away with that same husband that you were trying to kill. Yeah. And then when Bridget comes back to kill the both of you, you still try to run away. Yeah. Paris, can we fix it? No. Hell There's no. no fixing this, Paris. No. I'm not even going to put the fucking time in to think of what you could do with this pile of shit. I mean, this is unsalvageable. Like you would, it would just needed an entire rewrite. I mean, I guess what, what could all, you harvest? All you could really keep is you, you want your main characters to have a, a fucked up marriage dynamic where they're both assholes and there's some kind of murder plot and a child. You That's about even, it. You can't even keep like the, the murder hit scheme because it makes absolutely oh, no fucking I sense. I know. I know. And to tie it in with also being the real estate agent just seems to be like a cheap way to be like, oh, it was that character from before that you never suspected. Yeah, this is uh this is one hundred percent one hundred percent hot trash. Um I I know this, I I, oh. I got a little shouty this episode. I slammed a little bit too much, I suppose. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But this is this is a fucking this is the hoax, right? This is the scam. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is the scam. Um, the hoax is that it was really Mark Edwards and he this person tricked you. Oh man, this I would Chris, I just want to take a moment to just read some more titles from Mark A. Edwards, because they're great. Okay. She now becomes your nanny. <laughs> oh, no. You walk away, then I tell. <laughs> what? Oh, no. What did you need to say? Uh, afraid of Ashley. <laughs> um, That's my metalcore band from when I was in high school. <laughs> oh, my God. This one is, is especially confusing. It it looks like it has two titles and a subtitle, but okay, so here's how it's it plays out. There's a subtitle at the top in in medium font. What looks like the real title in large font, and then another word in smaller font way below that. So it says Beautiful Hate Love and the Wine Farm Release Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which of those is the title. Say it again, Paris, please, so I can parse okay. it. Okay. There's a itali- italicized small font at the top that says, Beautiful Hate, Love, and the Wine Farm. And then in large print, it says, Release. And then below that, in slightly smaller print, it says, Marie. <laughs> I- Excuse me? <laughs> Wait, wait. Paris, that reads like, it's like when you're searching something on Amazon and like you're looking for a mouse and it's like best mouse, two button, 100 DPI, <laughs> yes. double click, scroll wheel, best yes. amazing. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Um, there's another one called Tell Laura I'm back. <laughs> um, a lot of lady names here, just like just general phrases. You. Oh. Uh, I'm home, Davy. <laughs> think the best one is the road trap it should have been a road trip <laughs> he just like <laughs> it's like his editor put that under there just like call it the road trip dude just it's what like it makes more sense that way <laughs> oh god these are what is okay this? Oh. can you pa- paris can you read one summary from one of those just okay. pick a title at random and read the i'm summary. gonna choose crystal's fire okay uh don't waste my fruit Crystal's Fire, Don't Waste My Fruit by Mark A. Fuck. Um, ahem. Pull yourself together, please. I can't. The first word I have, the first name I have to say is so fucking unimaginably dumb. Woo, okay, okay, okay. Ahem. Thames Snowy has a beautiful wife. (laughs) Jillian. Jaleen? Yes! Okay, Chris, Mark A. Edwards is a shitty AI, right? Like, this okay. isn't a human being. Conti- try to get through it. Fame Snowy is- and Jaleen. Fame no- neither Snowy. Neither Crystal. Fame Snowy has a beautiful wife, Jaleen. He is a successful author and film score composer, while his great-looking wife has her own clothing line, which has taken up so much of her time thanks to its worldwide appeal. She now has less time for him. They've decided that they need a new luxurious home that their wealthy income can maintain. While agreeing that it is time for a new luxury home, they disagree on which property to buy. This is about houses again. They needed the help of someone who could help them decide on which property to buy. That task was left up to the curvy, slick, long-legged, and much younger Crystal Parks, the real estate broker former model who has caramel appeal after seeing... The property that she likes. Jolene is satisfied and decides not to look at that property that her husband would like. Maybe her mistake is allowing her darling and desperate husband to go on the site inspection through the hills alone with Crystal Parks. Okay, so Chris, are, okay, let, I'm, ta- I'm making a bet right now. All of these stories are going to involve real estate and a fucked up marriage. Like, and, like, like an infidelity. Like cheating on someone with a real estate agent? Infidelity okay. and real estate. Those are the, the fucking keys. Okay. To I'm Mark A. Read, Edwards. I'm going to read one of my own. Okay. Okay. I'll let you choose. Oh, come on. Beautiful Hate Love and the Wine Farm release, Marie. Come on. You got to read that one. Okay. I'm going to try to find that oh, one. Oh, the, the Maidens of Shrewsbury Forest. <laughs> that one actually sounds like kind of a title. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds like. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds different from all the other ones. Okay. I'm going to read. Beautiful hate love and wine, the wine farm. farm release Marie. Yes, thank you. Please do. The bills are piling up. Her husband, Jeff's workplace, has begun downsizing and she had been unfairly dismissed and hasn't had a job for months. Marie Cormike has had enough of this. Something has to be done. So what does she do? Does she remain the good wife and mother of their three-year-old daughter, Lacey? Or does she move to where the grass oh. is much greener under her feet, abandoning her own family? Could moving on to the affluent life of Mulberry and fine wine be Marie's best decision as it promises her wealth, eminence, and happiness? Yeah, right. Betcha this involves a real estate agent that she cheats on people with, Paris. Yes, and hey, it's yeah, she's moving, so we know it's going to be about relocating home. 
and it's a it's a troubled marriage. They're all this way. One review, one star out of five, needs right. to be proofread. This needed to be proofread. Lots of errors written from the perspective of the character, then changes to the third person on several occasions. I find this irritating and distracting. People were generous, man. I see some two stars on these. That's okay. that's generous. All right, Paris. All right, um, folks. Uh, beware of people who pretend to be more famous authors, I guess. Um, this don't is, this read this. This should not exist. This is Please. one of the... Usually I'm always trying to find like, oh, well, maybe, you know, you should be creative and don't worry about like, you know, just, just make stuff even if someone's like super critical. But no, don't do this. This is... I, Paris, I'm becoming the voice of the doubt. Well, no, it's just like, well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, obviously no one's great at everything immediately, but you need to get other opinions. You need to have editing, especially if you're, yeah, Chris, I really feel like Mark A. Edwards is an AI that, that like a shitty one that someone programmed to read Mark <laughs> Edwards novels and, and then churn out churn shittier out real versions. real estate based affair stories. <laughs> yes. Um, because short of that, it's someone passing stuff through Google Translate. Which I guess is also equally possible. Sure. But even, I'm pretty sure even if this was passed through Google Translate, the original version in the original language cannot be that much better. Yeah, I feel the same way. Okay. Um, <sighs> Paris, uh, this has actually gone on longer than I expected it to. Yeah, sure has. Um, would you like to continue with anything or would you like to close the show? Let's close this shit up. All right, we'll do some good media another time when we have a much shorter episode. I can't believe this took us this long. Jesus I know. Christ. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you to our wonderful patrons. Thank you, Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, Xenia, Jakob, Bobby Blackcat, Jensina, Mayo Cat, Elliot, Kieran, and Martin. Thank you very much, um, especially Xenia, for this adventure. Xenia, uh, yeah, I am so sorry that you bought this and read it please tell um, us how far in you got yeah i'm interested to know um yeah hopefully you find a real mark edwards book and it's much better um listener if you would like to support the show you can subscribe and follow us on various platforms such as youtube facebook instagram or goodreads you can review the show you can share it and tell people about it um and you can also donate one five or ten dollars a month to us via patreon for various rewards um, as of this recording, I am actually about to post um, our latest uh, Mystery Science Theater styled um, watch that Chris and I did. I think we talked about this in the last show, but it's going to mm-hmm. go up. So, uh, yeah, if you want to watch uh, Verot- Glenn Danzig's Verotica with me and Chris, uh, become a patron at the $5 or $10 a month tier and find out how much you... Uh, hate watching softcore porn with us because that is kind Listen, of what guys, it is. It's like three short stories of about a half an hour each. The first half hour is probably the only thing actually worth viewing. Everything after that, you're just in for pain. So torture yourself at your own risk. There's other content up on that Patreon. If you join, though, we watch other stuff like The Art of Racing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. We watch um, the first season of Legend of the Seeker. Um, we watched some other stuff as well. I believe we watched, did, did, didn't we do season two of the OA that way? Yeah, we did season two of the OA. Um, I, we've done a ton. There's a lot of content. Um, there's, there's videos. <clears throat> so yeah, anyway, no need to go on about it. Thank you. Um, most especially to Senia, um, for whom we recorded this episode. May, may you read better books in the future. Um, if you would like to contact us, give us a recommendation or 
send us hate mail. Uh, you can contact us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. I'm, uh, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted right now. Me too. I'm also a little sweaty. It's warm today. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I it's... slammed too hard this episode. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, our weather's been nuts. We had like a snowstorm, a rainstorm, and then it's been summer. So <laughs> everything is fucked right now. Um, yeah, the weather is bonkers. But uh, yeah, I'm my brain is mush. I need yeah, to go. I need, I need to, to go, go make myself some I need dinner to go. immediately. Oh, Christ. Well, All thank right, you, everyone. Harris, thanks for joining us. And I'll see you next time for, I believe, an extra special episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the next two are going to be uh, going to be a time. So we'll see you then. Buckle up. See you then, Paris. Paris.